3: Oh, Garcia in the air to left field. This one's got a chance. This is a home run. It's up and out of here. Avi Garcia ties the game. Now, oh, and it gets by. Bradley Jr.'s coming home. He will score. The Brewers take the lead. Yadier Molina lets one get by him.
2: And yell it, shows butt gets it down. It's a beauty coming in. Sosa, throw
3: to first, not in time. A butt single. Five to three, Milwaukee. Williams deals. Fastball. Got him. He struck it up with the gas. And a snatch him back here tonight in St. Louis.
2: Might be the game of the year for the Brewers and one of the toughest losses of the year for the St. Louis Cardinals. Danny Mac, Show. Welcome in. Great to have you with us. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. Been talking about it all morning long uh, with Michelle on the morning show that was a tough one. The Cardinals, they fall 6-4. to four. It happens in 10 innings. They had the lead for the better part of the game. They had the lead 3-2 with one out, nobody on in the ninth. Then you heard the uh, home run. Avisel Garcia, his second in the ball game. Cardinals lose it. There are so many different things from Arenado being ejected. Should he have been ejected? Do you pitch to Christian Yelich? The bullpen of the Brewers was magnificent after Peralta only gave them two. Alex Reyes, his 10th wild pitch. Um, there's so many things to break down with this game. And BK, the bottom line is that's a tough one because if you win, you're only three back in the wild card.
0: That's one you had to have. Uh, You just had to have it, and it felt a lot like the Cubs game from a few weeks ago now. Those are the only two games, by the way, this year that the Cardinals have been leading going into the ninth inning, and they finish losing the game. It's only happened twice to them so far this year, and you can remember both of them vividly because they, they both hurt really, really bad. The thing that hurt most about that one, Dan, at least for me, you knew going into it. That you could gain a, uh, a game in the wild card standings because the Padres had lost earlier in the day. Then you knew the, the Reds had lost as well. So you're going to gain some ground. And then you felt it. You could feel the momentum. All right, we're going to come on here today. We're going to talk about how the Cardinals finally picked up a big win against a team above 500. They gained ground in the wild card standings. Now you have the schedule setting up well again with Pittsburgh and Detroit. Okay, we can really start feeling the good vibes in St. Louis again. And then the ninth inning happened and everything flipped on a dime. That one hurts real bad.
2: It does. And on the flip side, if you're looking at it from the Brewers perspective, their bullpen was just awesome. Eight innings, three hits, one run, four walks, and they strike out nine. So the Cardinals had five hits and uh, and were scoring against Peralta. All of a sudden you're saying, okay, it's not his night. Then we find out he's got a sore shoulder. After that, they get Strickland, and that was the key to me. He comes in, gives you two scoreless innings, and then all of a sudden they have Cousins. And this guy's turned out to be a weapon now for Milwaukee. He hasn't given up a run in the big leagues yet. Then you had Souter, you had Sanchez, you had Norris, you had Hayter, you had Williams. And the way that they were, to me, how I was looking at it, is that I thought Williams was down, and maybe he was thrust into that game last night because Craig Council... In times that normally he would use him, even down by a run, you might think that this would be his time. Didn't go to him. Mm-hmm. But then out of necessity, he had to. Now let's talk a little bit about the 10th inning. So you have a runner at second base, Jackie Bradley Jr. And Urias is up. He bounces one back on a high bouncer to Alex Reyes. The Brewers do you a favor. Bradley should be at third. No questions asked. He doesn't run. And Reyes turns and fires. It's an air on a misplay on a throw now it's second and third you got nobody out Colton Wong fly ball to shallow left out number one runners don't tag Willie Adamas he's been tearing up the Cardinals tearing up everybody on base three times last night two walks home run you strike him out now you have Yelich first base open and the question and Josh Hader spot on deck so the question is if you're Mike Schilt do you pitch to Christian Yelich in that spot I can make a case for both ways. Yelich is not the same player that he was as an MVP a couple of years ago. However, it's still Christian Mm Yelich. Now, if you walk him, ostensibly, you're taking Hayter for sure out of the game because they're going to pinch hit with Jace Peterson. So your options are, do you pitch to Christian Yelich with runners at second and third, game on the line, or do you go with the bases loaded and, and face Jace Peterson and run the risk of maybe a walk from... Alex Reyes, which I also think now Mike Schilt probably isn't going to say this, but that's in the back of his mind is do I want to put my young guy who's been erratic at times in that situation again on the previous homestand, we saw he melted down against the Braves. And I would say this, if, if he can't throw a strike in that spot, he shouldn't be in that spot. So I don't know. I, I, I probably would have walked Yelich and this was in hindsight. I felt that at the time and Yelich gets a wild pitch tenth from Reyes. They score a run then he drops down a bun and now you're saying okay would nolan arenado have made that play sosa made it really close mm-hmm. um but would hit his alignment may maybe been a step or two differently than sosa's maybe i don't know does uh arenado make that play maybe i mean it was nip and tuck it was a great baseball play by christian yelich then after that base hit to right gets away from newt bar yelich can run he scores all the way from first and and that's your ball game now let's talk about the ejection of Nolan Arnato First, is... on,
0: on the decision to pitch to Yelich. Yeah, um, I didn't have a problem with it in in that moment. And that's Christian Yelich this I year uh, has a 7.57 OPS against right-handed pitching. If you were going to walk him, I they were going to put in Jace Peterson as they eventually did. Anyways, Jace Peterson this year against righties has an 8.52 OPS. It's been a better objectively, a better hitter this year against right-handed pitching than Christian Yelich has been. So you're getting a guy that has a better batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, a better hitter overall at the plate than if you just face Christian Yelich. I understand the name recognition with Yelich. We mentioned this yesterday as we were talking about this series, it Just hasn't been the same guy this year. So I had no issue in that spot pitching to Christian Yelich. You add in the command issues. And I agree with you. If you don't trust him, I maybe you don't use him there, but he's your best guy. I had no issue pitching to Yelich there. It just didn't work. And, and, and I can make that case too.
2: Now, on the flip side, I would say though, by walking him, you do force Hater out of the game. And so, if he makes the out there, does Hater stay in the game? That's something you got to think about too. You know what I mean? You, you got to think about that as well. So Maybe, now, yeah. So you force the hand of Craig Council to say. I think
0: they would have still pinch it for him because you got to scratch across a run at that. They were running out of guys to be able to use coming out of the bullpen. They I would think they would one. too,
2: but you don't know. And sure. I, you take that decision out of it. The, you just make him say, all right, you're going to go with Hayter with the bases loaded? Fine. But then you got to face him another inning. So, Or you say, and I agree with you, I think he probably pinch hits. He would have had two more guys left in his pen. They were down to one more after Williams. Mm-hmm. It was Boxberger, and they were left with one position player left. So this was completely a team effort from Milwaukee in one of their best games of the year. They've now won four games in which they've trailed going into the eighth and won that game. Now the Arenado ejection by Alan Porter. Um, Probably said some magic words. Porter, I thought, messed up both check swings. And you have a highly intense guy in Nolan Arenado. You can look at it two ways. You would hope that Nolan knows he can't get thrown out. But also, you would also look at it this way, too, is that the umpire, this is in April or May, this is a massive game for the Cardinals. And that's one of the best players in the league. And you just ejected him in a one run game. And I would hope he would just turn his back and walk down the right field line. And I would imagine BK, he had been getting an earful the entire game from the Cardinals bench because he's on the first baseline and he just had enough. Just one of those spots, man. It just, uh, it comes up at the wrong time because Aranato's spot would come up with in the bottom of the ninth, a runner at first. And so sad to hit in that spot lined out to right, hit the ball hard, but, um, I let you say, I'd rather have Nolan Arnauto up there. Of course. of course.
0: Yeah. Um, and by the way, later on after the game, I listened to Christian Yelich's post game interview with Bally sports, Wisconsin. He said, if, Ye- if Nolan Arnauto was in the game, he probably wouldn't have Doesn't bunted bunt. in that spot. That's right. So it's not only would Nolan Arnauto have made that play. It's also would Christian Yellich have bunted if Arnauto was in the game? The answer appears to be no to the latter, So it wouldn't have even been in that spot. So, It was a huge, I thought that was the moment that changed the game Um, because of what Arenado presents at the plate, what he presents as a defender. It completely changed the complexion of what the final few innings held. And it's, I'm with you, Dan. This is another thing where I know it doesn't make for good sports talk radio, but it's on everybody. I don't think he should have been ejected in that spot. I do not think that it rose to the level that it was necessary. I also think if you're Nolan Arenado, you can't have that. You can't have that there. This is a must-win game for you and your team, and you can't be getting tossed in what is a massive, massive portion of that game. That being said, I also don't want to take away Nolan Arenado's fire. Like, that's part of what makes him such a special player is that he plays with that passion, so... You don't want to neuter that, but you also don't want him getting tossed from these games. I'm of two minds about basically everything about that game. And it eventually comes down to a million different small things that took place over the course of the game. And Dan, really what it boils down to is this the Cardinals scored three runs. Yeah. I had three runs in the first two innings against what was a tremendous starter who got taken out of the game early because of an injury. And the Brewers went to their bullpen for seven innings eight innings, and you couldn't get to him. That's what the game came down to. Like, we we can talk about, and I will, the Nolan Arnauto, uh getting tossed from the game, the decision with Reyes, the uh, bullpen over, all of that stuff is secondary. The offense didn't perform up to the expectations, once again, against a quality opponent, and they gotta be able to score more than three runs in that game.
2: So, eight innings by the bullpen of the Brewers, and they had to use seven different bullpen arms, and to your point, Mike Schild said they just didn't score runs period
3: we got to be able to add on simple as that i mean we can you know continue to sit on and uh, you know the bullpen for the Brewers is good They, you know for out of the game we're in their bullpen in the third inning we get two hits through the rest of nine innings so you know we got to be able to figure out how to add on so we're not in that spot we're in late in the game.
2: Yep, they're in a tough spot, obviously, and it was minus Nolan Arenado late in the game.
3: Nolan rightfully took exception with a couple of check swings. You know, was able to voice his opinion walking out there. I just looked at it, and, you know, I don't think he was making it too personal. I think he was doing it in between innings situation. Um, you know, he said a few things after they happened. I tried to take some control of it myself and get Allen's attention as well, making sure he understood we didn't appreciate it. And, uh, you know, he didn't allow him to... Walk out in the field and get it out of his system.
2: So the decision then, not to walk Yelich
3: in the 10th? The guy ended up bunting, right? Tells you so. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, to his credit, he got he got it down, but, you know, it wasn't comfortable at bat for him. Otherwise, he's probably not bunting. But again, he executed it, so I'm not taking anything away. to baseball play, and I, I don't have any issue with it. I, always, I hear you, but no, I mean, just about pitch execution. You know, we felt good about it, and we're going to give in, and the ball got away, and... Run scored, but no issue with that because we again we talk about a guy on deck that's a super high kind of looking for a walk kind of guy and end up putting a good swing on him actually.
2: And Mike was asked, did he think about the walk of Yelich potentially in the tenth?
3: The guy ended up bunting, right? Tells you something, right. <laughs> right? I mean, to his credit, he got he got it down, but you know, it wasn't comfortable. with Bad form, otherwise he's probably not bunting. But again, he executed, so I'm not taking anything away. It's a baseball play, and I don't have any issue with it I I hear you, but no, I mean, just about pitch execution.
2: So Reyes then had to face Yelich, and was there talk about potentially putting him on in that spot?
3: There was a, a question, and we all came together and said we wanted to face him. I mean, we, we, we didn't. I didn't think about walking him.
2: So he didn't think about walking him, so it's Yelich up. Wild pitch, they take the lead, and then it was Christian Yelich. On his bunt in the tenth inning.
0: Yeah, when they went to the mound and talked about, it, I went and talked to Chase, and I was like, "Hey, man,
3: if they're back and shifted over here, what do you think about a bunt?" And we didn't really know how the at bat was going to play out. I didn't, I didn't really know. So um, they threw first pitch strike, and then that wild pitch, and we scored that run. And there's a little bit of chaos there, and um, you know, Nolan's not in the game, and we're just kind of trying to to see how everything was shaping up there. And um, you know, after that wild pitch, you're like, "Hey, why not?"
2: Yeah, why not? And they're pushing all the right buttons right now. Willie Adamas might be the MVP since May 22nd. He's been one of the best players in the game. That's when they acquired him. First game was on the 22nd. Escobar has been good for them, picked up from Arizona. Avisel Garcia now career high with 23 home runs. He's eight shy of his RBI total all time. Rowdy telez they bring him in. He turns into a different player Their pitching is stacked. Uh, They're pushing all the right buttons. And it's just one of those nights at the ballpark. It's
0: a good team. It's a crisp playing team. They just they play really good baseball, man. And they are now 27 games above 500 on the season. They're 22 games above 500 on the road is just a damn good baseball team. And I did not give them enough credit early in the season for as being as good as they are. They have also made some significant changes in season, as you mentioned, Dan, that have made them a much better team. And they have the pitching depth that I believed going into the year the Cardinals had. It's proven to be true for the Brewers. It was not true, as I thought it would be, for the Cardinals. And that's maybe the biggest difference between these two teams. You said it yesterday. I think it was on Carricker and Smallman bringing up, wow, how many relievers have the Brewers used this year? What was it, like 25 or something like that? Well, they got through it. They were able to find that organizational depth. And they even traded a couple of their relievers for Willie Adamas to be able to bring him in. They big found league, a way big through league guys. Yeah, they found a way through all of that. They fought through the adversity. They overcame their injuries and now as a result, we're watching what is one of the best teams in all of baseball, much less than the National League.
2: We'll talk about Game 3 coming up. Rick Horton will be our guest as well this hour. So-
0: this is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I
3: Promise. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, you know, especially coming into this series knowing it's a big series, and having the lead there in the ninth, and you know giving it up, uh, it's tough. It's tough to to go home tonight and swallow that one. But you know tomorrow's a tomorrow's another day. Um, it's another opportunity to go out there and, and perform, and you know that's, that's what I'm looking forward to right now.
2: Well, normally I would say that because baseball is such a long season, and you have today now you turn the page, uh, and and I'm normally like, hey. It's another game, tough loss, no doubt. That one was really tough. And because of the circumstances, and it's incumbent then on the club to find a way to to get it back together. And sometimes those losses take time to bounce back from and so I'm I'm intrigued by what I see tonight I really am
0: for what it's worth the last time this happened the Cardinals did bounce back the following day that was the Cubs series earlier in the month of June they lost that one that was the game where they went into the ninth inning up six to one they ended up losing it seven to six the next day they won three to two in 10 innings so they fought, fought plenty of adversity in that one as well The difference, of course, was Wayno was on the mound in that one, and going into this one, you have John Lester on the mound. It is just hard to know exactly what you can expect out of Lester against a very good lineup. We've seen Lester have some success, but that came against Kansas City. This is a little different than going up against Kansas City.
2: I I would say that in this game tonight, uh, depending on what happens later innings, Williams is off limits. Hayter may be off limits. I don't know. Maybe Craig Council wants to push them and say, hey, we're going to put the final nail in the coffin on this division, and... You know, sweep the Cardinals at their home ballpark and try to put them away, which he could, but he's been very careful with his pitching. You've already won the series. You're playing great baseball. So that's something to keep in mind. The other side of that though is that you look at Jake Cousins, that guy came out of the bullpen from Milwaukee last night. He hasn't he's given started. up a he hasn't given up a run yet this year in his big league uh, debut. So he has been really good. Boxberger had the night off so that's a former closer that has been uh, he's sliding into like that seventh inning role for Milwaukee so you may not see Williams you may not see Hater, but they've got other arms that have been very good but Williams and Hayter are elite so that's something to think about going into game number three tonight yeah, And I
0: would imagine Suter is available as well and I don't think they'll go to Hader, but if they needed to close out a game with like one or two outs, maybe, maybe you utilize him there. He had 17 pitches on Tuesday, 14 last night, so it's not like he's gone super deep. Um, I I would be surprised, though, if they decided to go there, and I'm with you. I don't think Devin Williams will be available. He has 40 pitches over the last two nights. Uh, He also pitched Saturday and Sunday. I I would be stunned if he's available tonight for them.
2: So you got John Lester going tonight. He was uh, fine against the uh, Kansas City Royals over the weekend, and that's what you have to have give you five or six innings and then the Cardinals bullpen Uh, Cabrera certainly could go tonight don't know about Gallegos don't know about Reyes but seeing where they're at I would assume that they would push those guys but the Cardinals also have gotten good appearances out of Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland so that's something to consider uh, going into play tonight really tough loss so uh, back to the main point I was going to say Normally, I'm very kind of just, hey, you know what? It's a tough loss. Guys bounce back. Been around a long time. See how guys bounce back. But this one was different, and I do want to see what they uh, they come out with tonight. It'll be interesting.
0: I think the toughest part of this series so far, Dan, is it had such potential to be a statement series for the Cardinals. I and mean, we talked about that going in. What What could this potentially mean for this team? Not just in the playoff race, but also the feeling. The feeling around the team. The feeling around the city for fans. And the feeling, I feel like, is... It's almost gone back to the priors. the The greatest fears that Cardinals fans had coming into this series was, are they really up to for this against quality opponents? Is this offense going to continue? They had 11 straight games with four or more runs. That was great. It was fun to see, but they did it against bad teams. Can that continue against Burns and Woodruff? And Peralta, the answer to that question so far has been no for the most part, although last night early on it looked good. Um, can this team pull out victories against teams unlike they have for the majority of the season when they're going up against quality opponents? Well, so far in this series, the answer is no, and they're now eighteen and thirty-two on the season when they go up against teams that have a record above five hundred. A lot of priors, if you were a pessimistic Cardinals fan going into this series, have been confirmed it's been a statement series but not for the cardinals unfortunately
2: so the cardinals struggle to put together much against uh the opponents that are at or above 500 to this point batting average against those teams at or above 500 223 on base percentage 289 slug 368 ops 657 batting average with runners in scoring position 234 So that's one of the reasons that you really have struggled against those teams at 500 or above. The oddity of this year, the one team that they have beaten and beaten well was... San Francisco best Mm -hmm. record in the game they take four out of six with them but then other teams they just have not been able to get it going
0: and if you want a disclaimer like if you're pessimistic negative Nancy Cardinals fan right now what they would probably say to you is yeah but they got the uh, Giants when the Giants weren't at their best they had a bunch of injuries that were plaguing them and I get that right now if you're looking at where the Cardinals rank in terms of their batting average on base percentage slugging the, the main offensive categories against the quality opponents their bottom two to three in every significant category so far against those teams. So it's it's been tough for them offensively in these games, no doubt. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
2: this music i always think it's like halloween
0: friday the 13th maybe so felt we're, like that we're last night
2: for that dan well it's scary and that's why we bring in a very scary individual and that's rick horton yeah. uh one of my broadcast partners on Bally sports and he's on the radio side as well uh ricky good morning to you how are things going thanks for hopping on
1: of course, great to be with you. And I'm going to say, first time I've ever been called scary, I think.
2: I agree, but you were a very intimidating presence on the mound. There's no question about that. You had that Fu Manchu. You would yeah, go behind yeah, the you're, mound.
1: You're, you're, and, wait oh, a minute. Wait, wait. Oh, that's this, the other lefty. Al Hrabowski. Yeah, oh. no, Al Raboski was that guy. I was the guy that tried to get you out without you noticing it, and I'd run, <laughs> off the field. I'd run off the field as fast as possible. That was my deal.
2: Tanner, I thought you were getting Al on. We got Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ricky, let's dive into this. Um, yeah. Tough loss last night. Uh, <laughs> so many different things to get into, from the Arenado ejection to do you pitch to Christian Yelich to the wild pitch to the yep. bunt, all these things. Um, what would you think? Just give me your general impressions of what you saw last night.
1: Well, the overall picture is clearly a kind of a, a a gut a gut check and a tough loss, and and there's no way to to say it any better than that. I mean, it was just hard hard game to uh, watch unfold because, and and really the bottom line of why the Cardinals lost that game is they didn't add on after the first uh, first couple of innings, and they got to a guy who's one of the best pitchers in the National League, and then couldn't get to the bullpen at all. If you get one run across over the next seven innings. And we don't worry about what happened uh, with the solo home runs, and we don't have a 10th inning. And so that's really the story, I think, is uh, the lack of adding on. Uh, And I guess you could say on the positive side for the Brewers, uh, great work from their bullpen. But uh, so the frustration that ends up happening happened because the Cardinals didn't add on.
0: Totally with you, Ricky. That's what we mentioned in the last segment as well. That being said, I also thought another turning point in the game was Nolan Aranato's ejection. What'd yeah. you make of that? I mean it it didn't seem to me like it should have risen to the level of an ejection, but that being said it, it's also tough to put yourself into that spot. What'd you make of the ejection there for Nolan Aranato last night?
1: Yeah, I think you're on it. I mean, I think I I was surprised he was ejected. So I'm a I'm not I'm going to say I'm a I'm a really amateur lip reader and I think a lot of people could tell what Arnauto said, which is not something, you know, you say at the dinner table probably, but the point is, I think he was saying, making a comment and using a phrase, but he wasn't saying that directly to the umpire. And I think he thought he did. And so I think that's why Alan Porter threw him out. That's my take on it just from, because uh, I think when, when Arnauto erupted again after being tossed, he went out and said, I didn't say that to you. I said it. I didn't say it to you. And, th- and that distinction has been a long standing tradition in baseball. You could say uh, this is blank, but you can't say you are blank. And, and, and maybe that's not true anymore. But regardless, uh, him being tossed was clearly a frustrating thing for him, a frustrating night overall for Arenado. You think about the fact that his spot came up late in the game and and Sosa this is not a bad Mundo Sosa comment because he's been fantastic off the Cardinals bench and and when he plays he's good hit the hit the ball hard so he had a good at-bat and a good play on the Yelich bunt but no oh uh, no Aronado in that that had to just really steam him even more later in the game as you realized he had a chance to do something but wasn't in the game
2: yeah what did you think of uh Yelich first base open and deciding to pitch to him now Let's set the stage. If they walk him, then it's Hader's spot. So you you got to assume that they're going to pinch hit with Jace Peterson. So it's either Jace Peterson with the bases loaded, or Yelich second and third tie game. What what did you think?
1: I I would have preferred that they pitched to uh, to Yelich, which is what they did. And and I had in my mind because we I thought about it, talked about it, and of course you got to make that decision uh, on the spot. But you know Yelich had been stranding runners in the entire series. I'm not sure the total number, maybe ten. Uh, stranded runners, and, you know, I think when you say Yelich, if you're a Cardinal fan and you say pitch to Yelich, you say, oh, my goodness, no, we haven't seen the Brewers for 80 games. And and I don't think we've come up to speed with the fact that Yelich isn't Yelich. I mean, Yelich's a great player, but he's had a bad back. He's had a bad knee. I mean, this is not a guy that has really been, a, you know, the Yelich of two years ago. Let's put it that way. Yelich of two years ago, no question you walk him. But the reason I wouldn't have walked him, and I would have rather had Alex pitch to him, which he did, is because I wouldn't want to put Alex Reyes in the situation of having to throw a strike with the bases loaded. His walk rate is too high, and, and I just think that would have been playing with fire uh, if you uh, walk the bases loaded and force a pitcher to be uh, to be right down central. Now you know the, the Yelich bunt makes it look like well maybe we sh- we shouldn't have done that, but uh, I still would have pitched to Yelich.
0: Since you mentioned Reyes, I do I do want to ask a little bit of a follow up question on him because I looked it up this morning. Alex Reyes' walk rate right now it's at eighteen percent it's the highest by any Cardinals reliever in team history for a reliever yeah. that's thrown at least 50 innings. And his 10 wild pitches are now tied for the most among any Cardinals reliever in team history as well. Ricky, I, I really want to see him as a starting pitcher next year, but this walk rate and the wild pitches and the lack of command in mm-hmm. general is super concerning to me. How much of a concern is it for you? If that is the plan with him going forward.
1: Well, I mean, it's certainly a concern. You, you can't uh, be a starting pitcher and, and have a high walk rate like that. And, you know, I think one of the things when you look at about Alex and, and some of the other Cardinal pitchers that have come up, and Oviedo would be one of those too, you know, these are guys with high walk rates in the minor leagues too. This is not a surprise. This is not new. And what I would say about if you, if you have a high walk rate in the minor leagues, you're going to have a higher walk rate in the big leagues because guys lay off pitches more. They, they don't swing and miss at that ball in the dirt quite as much. So the walk rate is going to be higher at the big league. So that's certainly the next, I'm going to say that's the next level of development for Alex, Alex race. I mean, I think we, we should obviously say the guy's an all-star this year. So he's mm-hmm. doing something right. But the point is, if you're going to start, uh, he's going to have to find that, that 93%, 90 to 93% effort, uh, pitching mechanics, as opposed to the hundred percent that most relievers have now, because they're trying to spin the spin the gun and spin the baseball.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. When you look at him being a starter going forward, Ricky, I mean, if the numbers would continue like they have as a closer, and it could be different, he takes velocity off and, you know, more about location, not max effort. But if it would continue next year, you're talking about a guy that only gets four, maybe five innings a start. And that would be a problem, right. obviously.
1: Right, and and you think about the way Jack Flaherty started the game as the antithesis to that. It was interesting. John Lester on the on the TV side last night. I thought the interview he did with with Jim Hayes was great. He was Jim asked him about uh, Jack Flaherty and what did he see from the other side with his years with the Cubs, and he said, "I saw a guy that has command." That's the first thing he said. I, I saw a guy. I mean. And I've seen it now with his two starts that he's a guy that throws the ball where he wants to. Well, that's what a starting pitcher needs to do. So, again, that, that's where you got to get to. If you're Alex Rice, does he have the pitches to be a starter? 100% true. And, you know, he's he's just electric in terms of his stuff, but but he's going to have to find a way to, to minimize those walks. Is he going to walk one guy per nine innings? Probably not. But uh, at least get that down to, to three walks per nine, and then you can live with it.
0: Ricky, we came into this series wondering if the Cardinals could make a statement, right? They had just won six in a row. They had won eight of their last nine. They had scored four more runs in each of their last 11 games, and now they've lost the first two in this series, and you mentioned the offense just hasn't shown up the way that any of us would have expected. Do you feel like this series has been a statement, but for the team that we didn't want it to be on the Brewer side of things?
1: Uh, not really. I, I think if the, if the Cardinals would have lost 10-1 to 1 and 8-1, to 1, yes. Uh, but you're talking about two games that were close and winnable. And, you know, if, if the statement by statement, you mean, uh, do the Cardinals uh, have trouble hitting really good pitching? I'd say yes. And I'd say that you could say that about the rest of, uh, of Major League Baseball, too, when it comes to the, the three starters that we're going up against in Milwaukee. I think one of the, the stark things that comes to my mind when I see those three guys, that's what it used to be like to play the Cardinals. You'd get three top guys. In a series and think oh boy we better we better really scratch and claw to get a run because they're not going to give us much that's where the brewers are right now so i think do the brewers make a statement that they're good absolutely i mean they're they're a good team uh, they've got a lot of good things uh in their in their quiver but uh on the cardinal side i i don't think if they would have been blown out i would have taken that uh you know m- maybe as a statement but i think that the 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 the, the the reality is they just lost two close games and one they one they could have won and should have won perhaps and uh and then let it let it get away late and then and the other one that was a, was a close game between two good pitchers.
2: Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, we talk a lot obviously about the Giants and about the Dodgers and other teams in the National League. Padres got so much attention. Man, I, I don't want to overlook the Milwaukee Brewers. This might be the best team right now in the National League.
1: Yeah, they may be. I think you're right. And 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 I, when when you look at what teams are best, I, I always go back to the starting pitching. And you know maybe that's my my background and that's what I think about. But there's something about showing up at the park. In fact, I would say this about the Cardinals when Jack Flaherty rejoined the team, and and watching him get on the bus, watching him go into the clubhouse, watching him on the field, there was a higher level, I think, of confidence and expectation. Uh, within the Cardinals team and the coaching staff, that maybe we got a chance here because Jack is back. I mean, he 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 kind of walked in the room and filled up the room. He really did. And 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 when you play the Brewers, that's what you get every night with those first three guys. It, it will be interesting. Uh, guys, what the what the fallout is of, of Freddie Peralta only going two innings, and is that a big deal or a small deal? We'll have to wait and see.
2: Yeah, he said after the game last night that uh, actually he does not expect to miss a start, said he was not feeling good two nights ago, and then as the game progressed last night, wasn't feeling great. So apparently not a big deal, but I guess time will tell. Yeah,
3: from-
1: yeah, he looked it's – odd, it's odd. He actually looked um, – watching him on his face. The pitching coach came out to talk to him one time. I thought he was gassed. I, th- I mean, I thought he actually did not look like he felt well. So that, that that's probably good news for the brewers. And that's something that might pass quickly.
0: Final question that I have for you, looking at the Cardinals starters, the next couple of days, John Lester looked much better for the Cardinals in his most recent start against Kansas city. And then tomorrow night, they've got miles Michaelis on the mound. What are you expecting out of these two, certainly in their next start, but kind of moving forward to the rest of the season for the Cardinals? <laughs>
1: Well, I'm open to whatever happens, honestly. My expectations are a little cloudy, to be honest with you, because, you know, Lester was very good his last time out, but, you know, is is he a dominating guy, and can he get this Brewers club out? I mean, he's got to stay away from the home run tonight. That's the key for him. He's got to stay away from the home run. As far as Michaelis is concerned, uh, you know, he, he had that long outing on his last rehab assignment, so you think, I guess, he's ready to go out there and throw six or seven innings, but, you know, you just don't know whether... Uh, the the amped up uh, competition is going to create some stress on his arm or not. And I'm hoping not. And, you know, could could the Cardinals use him? Absolutely. And he could be a difference maker. You know, honestly, even with the two losses last night, Cardinals are still four games out in the wild card. Now, we're not – I don't think we're talking about chasing the Brewers anymore and haven't been for two weeks. We're talking about chasing the Padres. And the Padres can't win right now. And if the Cardinals would have won the last two games, they would be two games out in the wild card with 40-plus games to go. So that's what the the goal is right now, and Michaelis could help you towards that goal. My expectations are, well, I don't know. Let's wait and see.
2: Absolutely. Hey, Ricky, see you at the ballpark tonight. Thanks for hopping on, as always. You bet. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's uh, Rick Horton, one of the uh, great people in the business, does a great job, too, on radio and TV, and very much uh, appreciate his time. Um, interesting comment that he made when he said, it was like when you would face the Cardinals and they'd have those guys lined up, and there's some truth to that.
0: There, there definitely is for sure. I, I made the comp the other day, and I don't know if it's one to one, but we've we've talked about the Mets and the Nationals. Those certainly apply for this Brewers team, but also it kind of reminds me of like the post Albert Pujols Cardinals 2012 to 2015 ish that that kind of era of Cardinals baseball where. It's not a whole lot of superstars. I mean, you look over at the the Brewers lineup, Christian Yelich is in name a superstar, but he's not even one of their best players this season. It's just a bunch of dudes who are professional quality hitters. And then you look at the front end of their rotation, it's studs that are going to shut you down and they've got so much depth in their bullpen. That's what reminds me kind of that, that mid 2010s Cardinals.
2: Yeah. Danny Mac show and our new sponsor is Summers Wealth Management. Find out more, SummersWealthManagement.com. Met with Darren Summers yesterday. He was here at the station. Really appreciate uh, him jumping on board on the Danny Mac Show and the uh, title sponsor of this program. We'll go around Major League Baseball coming up next. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. As we do on the Danny Mac show and our title sponsor, summer's wealth management. Thank you again to them. Uh, We go around major league baseball to wrap it up. So face-to-face collective bargaining agreement, or I'm sorry, meeting to get an agreement in Denver on Monday, major league baseball first proposal covering core economics to the players association. And now you would assume that the players are not going to like it, but at least they're face-to-face the plan included new tax on team spending, one that uh, both would effectively lower the first luxury tax threshold in the sport to 180. It's what 220 now, something like that. Whatever it is, uh, charge teams who exceed that first mark a higher percentage than uh, they pay today. One trade-off, though, was that they would be a minimum in the sport. I like that, and I think you have to have that. That's good, and that minimum would be a hundred million dollar payroll. So, here's the bottom line, BK. I think everybody knows what's at stake. You're, you're coming through a pandemic trying to get through it no fans in the stands last year players only made third of salary but still the money is there in the sport it's flush and cash uh, you can't stop the game. You got to play. Even if that means that you just say, look, we couldn't come up to an agreement. We'll extend it by a year. And we're going to keep hammering this thing out no
0: matter what. They're going to have to play and get it done early. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, it's not just because it's a December 1st. I December think. 1st is the date that this one expires. You need the off season to be normal baseball. One of the things that keeps agree. it going in the offseason is the hot stove. Right. Yep. If you have this lingering CBA issue, teams are not going to know how to construct their rosters. This was an issue a year ago. Do we have the extra wild card? Are we going to have the designated hitter? And that pushed everything. I remember Mo said December is the new November, and then it became January is the new November. And then soon thereafter, it just continued to push itself back. Baseball can't have that. Basketball, we saw this and it was like one day, boom, extravaganza with free agency hockey. It was the same thing. NFL, you see the free agents go off the board quickly. There's a buzz surrounding the sport. Baseball needs that. The winter meetings need to be a thing again. You need to be able to have some of those trades that are flowing. That's something that keeps the interest level up. And if you don't have that because the CBA is not done, teams don't know how to construct their uh, GMs don't know how to construct their teams. That's a problem for this sport.
2: Absolutely. Some of the scoreboard watching from last night, the O's, boy, they're struggling. They've dropped now 14 in a row. Up the left side. That's got a chance to be fair. It is. and will bound off the foul pole.
1: Kiermaier has scored. Franco's going to come around to score. And Meadows winds up in second.
2: 8-4 would be the final. The Rays lead the East by 5, but charging hard. The Yankees.
3: Ground ball. It's a fair ball. Off the glove of Two runs will score. Frizzo picks him up, and the Yankees lead 4-1.
2: So he's back in their lineup. 5-2 would be the final. They sweep the Red Sox. If it ended today, the Yankees are in. They're a game up in the wild card, and they're ahead of Oakland and Boston. Shohei Otani this guy's a stud by the way he's making three million bucks and otani strikes him out on three pitches seven for shohei tonight and number 500 is on ice yet again
1: oh Otani got it he got it number 40 a franchise record for left-handed hitters three to one halos
2: he makes three million this year five and a half next I'd say that's a steal.
0: I heard you guys talking this morning on character and with uh, Ryan Fagan. And he said, Hey, I don't know that it's ever happened that there's been a position player who was a stud, an absolute star and deserves to win the MVP the way that Guerrero does this year. And the reason why he's not going to win it is because he's not like an ACE level starter. Right. <laughs> and that's, what's going to happen. Shohei Ohtani has an OPS over a thousand. He's hit t- 40 home runs. He's, He's one of the best, pl- best hitters in the sport. And oh, by the way, he's a stud. And last night went eight innings as a starter as well. It's unbelievable.
2: National League. Freddie Freeman with some history. The starter as this one's whacked to center. That ball is deep. That ball is at the wall. That ball is gone. It's the cycle for Freddie Freeman. Uh, that's our buddy, Chip Carey. Great call. Freddie Freeman hits for the cycle. Second time he's done that. So we're seeing the checks of foreign substances. There was an ejection last night in Arizona and then an odd one in Chicago.
3: They're going to check the hat and the glove. That's Nick Lentz, the third base umpire, walking over. Now you're going to watch at some point. I believe somebody gets thrown out of the game right there. And, oh, you know what it was? That might have been Lance Lynn's belt. Yep, <laughs> it's on the warning track. The, the bad boy picked up the belt. And now Tony arguing Lance's case. I think Lance got kicked out he did
2: he got kicked out so they checked the hat they checked the glove he goes into the dugout he said physically he wasn't feeling great wanted to go see the trainer wanted to use as much time as he could and they said no 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 we need the belt so he said okay he's in the dugout through the belt at Nick Lentz so he didn't have a foreign substance
0: but he got thrown out for throwing the belt at the umpire he said after the game that the uh, the ump had taken too long he was a little late to get over there and Lance was like well then here here's what I've got for you he said he hurt his feelings and that's why he got ejected I
2: love it so the the Padres are struggling thanks to Trevor Story. This
0: ball
3: crushed deep left field. Stay fair. It is a fair ball, two-run home run.
1: Trevor
2: Story. Trevor Story with that home run, and the Padres lose that one, seven to five, and so they lead by a game and a half for that second wild card spot over Cincinnati. Cincinnati could not gain any ground.
0: Jeff Hoffman on here pitching change. That's hit pretty well right field. Way back there, gone. From one Alcantara to another, Sergio goes yard, his third. And it's 6-1.
2: And they'd add another. Cubs beat the Reds 7-1. And uh, the final one to tell you about, well, the Mets beat the Giants 6-2 and 12. And the Diamondbacks, hey, they're becoming everybody's favorite team right now if you're in the wild card race.
3: Open this year. Walker trying to drop it into right. Harper has got it on a hop here's the throw Paven's in there and it's four to one and walker's got the rbi
2: diamondbacks over the Phillies, four to two so the wild card right now dodgers they have that spot they're nine up on san diego but cincinnati outside looking in game and a half out cardinals four phillies four and a half and the mets five and a half and we'll get back at it again tonight at the ballpark. By
0: the way, to follow up on the Padres, Arietta left yesterday's game with a left hamstring strain. I don't wow. know if that was an ego bruise or if that was a legit strain in his hammy after he had allowed... Uh, five runs and three and a third and his last pitch was a home run that was hit by Tom Nunez. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he says he's hurt. And so now the Padres once again in a tough spot with their pitching. You and Alex are coming up three hours. What do you have? Yeah, looking forward to this, Dan. We've got Jeff Passan, one of the best baseball insiders in the business, joining us coming up at 1230. Uh, Keith Costas, producer for MLB Network at 115. Lots of Cardinals between now and the end of the show, including a game that the Cardinals really needed to win that. That one felt like a big in and we'll open up with exactly that.
2: Once again, thanks to Darren Summers, Summers Wealth Management, new sponsor of this show. Great meeting him yesterday and he'll be with us a long time here on 101 ESPN. That does it for this show. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Max Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
1: What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there sharing plates with just
3: one bite.
1: Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when American Express don't live life without it. Peloton, let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of.